Blog Talk Radio. Like uh, 
I don't know the name of who I want to hear. You know I don't love nobody but Al Green. Don't love me. <laughs> I know you love you, Smile Green. Okay, okay, with that, that, that's a great lead into this show today. You hang on the line and keep listening. My guest for today is an awesome individual, one of the coldest human beings in the game. Let me make sure I got him on the line before I really get into this intro. John, hey. you on? Hey, Rodney. Yes, sir. Hey, 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 hang on. I got to give you the proper introduction. You hang on right there. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, one of the coldest artists of our time, and I mean that uh, not only as what we have heard as far as his vocals, but an ace producer, an ace composer, and my mom spoke about smoothness. This is one of the smoothest cats that we've had a chance to, to listen to in our time. He paints the music that's a part of the soundtrack of my life personally, and I'm glad he had some time to come and chop it up with me on this show. Ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, Mr. John B. is on the line today. What's up, dog? Hey, what's going on, family? How you doing, bro? It's all good, man. I've had a chance to see you live, you know, at uh, L.A. Live a few oh, times. You know, <laughs> and, and, and I love those kind of impromptu performances because yeah. I think it speaks volumes yeah. of what type of artist you're dealing with that can just walk up there and do his thing. Uh, you've been doing it for well, a long time. Let me ask you this to start us off. What is good music? I think good music is anything that you can feel. I mean, because, uh, you know, everyone has their own their own uh, opinion of what good music is. So I think in uh, real general terms, yeah, anything that you that you feel in your heart, you know, that affects you, you know, I think that ends up being what most would consider good music, you know, something that you can definitely feel, you know. Now, now John, man, I, I believe that, that artists are born, I mean, I, I feel like I was born to tell jokes, born to make people laugh, and, and you're one of those artists as well, man. Speak to, speak to me about being born to do what you've been doing for the last 15 or 20 years. Wow, yeah, I mean, absolutely born to do it. I mean, just, you know, just this morning I'm waking up and I'm looking at, like, a keyboard magazine or basically, like, the technology, the new sounds that are out, you know. And it's the same thing that I was doing when I was a little boy, nine years old, picking up magazines and looking at all the keyboards that I wished one day I could own or drum machines, you know, because I knew that those were the sounds that were making the music. Well, besides the guitar and the piano and the drum set, I, you know, as like I had my eye on the whole spectrum of what music was as a little boy, and still to this day I have that same interest and that same intrigue, you know, in terms of how you know how to change the music, how what can I do new that'll that'll be uh, something that people aren't expecting, that'll be exciting for people. So yeah, it's just with every album, it's like uh, you know I get a little bit deeper into it, and uh, you know I just like I said since I was a little little kid, man, I've been into this music and. It's a different intention for me because I have so much enjoyment. I get so much joy from just doing music, period. I could I could do it alone in the studio or I could do it, you know, collaborative. I can take it out and put it out in front of, you know, millions of folks and, you know, share it with the world. Or I can, you know, just kind of be a little person, by, you know, by myself in the studio doing right. that thing creatively. So it's all kinds of levels of it, man, you know. Some people want fame, and that's why they, you know, they seek um, the music game and stuff like that. But it's a different intention for me. It's like I'm, I'm pretty much like a musical scientist with it when it comes to my music. I try to stay in the lab, deep with it, and really just trying to perfect what I want to share with the world. And then when it's time, I come out with a new album. 
I, I love it, y'all. This is Roddy Perry. You listen to Roddy Perry Live. We're talking to John B. today.
What's up, world? Thanks for tuning in to Rodney Perry Live. Don't forget to follow Rodney on Twitter, at Rodney Perry. And for all your Rodney Perry updates, text Rodney Perry with no spaces to 41411. That's Rodney Perry. Mash that thing together and text it to 41411. Now, back to the show. It's Rodney Perry. Uh, young Jonathan Buck uh, from <laughs> Pasadena, California, by way of Rhode Island. When you when you make your way back to Rhode Island for the first time, mm. what what was that like for you? Well, I was very young. Um, I can have vague uh, memories of because I was only there till I was about four years old. But okay. now that I can see my my daughter as you know, she's uh, Azure. She's um, she's four now, so. You know, I can think about it and, like, vaguely remember what it was like to be her age and be kind of, like, by the beach, by the water. It's, it's kind of vague. But, you know, growing up, uh, you know, uh, speaking of the East Coast, you know, at a very young age, my, my sister moved to uh, to New York. You know, she she uh, got her master's degree from, uh, from Juilliard, you know, as a violinist and you know, at a very young age, she was uh, top of her game. So it was really, you know, kind of going out to New York every summer to visit her. I kind of got the whole bi-coastal thing, being that I was growing up in California, you know. Um, and that was a, that was definitely a gift, you know. That was a blessing to have that experience because, you know, everybody knows the differences. Well, everybody that's been to Cali and has been to New York knows the differences yeah. between the cultures and, you know, the, the vibes and, at a young age, that was definitely a, a good thing to be uh, influenced by, you know. But you have that type of music, man. That that it kind of it, it feels like a lot of things. It feels classic. It feels uh, when I say classic, it feels like the you know the the the, the Motowns. It feels like oh man, thank you. Know, you. The the R and B. That's my favorite the, music, really. Not to cut you off, but that's my. Yeah. That just to interject, like that's my favorite music, you know. Speaking of the classics, you know, that's when I'm at home and I'm spinning records, I'm spinning some Heat Wave, you know, I'm spinning some Al Green, right. I'm spinning some Isley Brothers, and all the melodic music that had so much instrumentation to it and so much production value in terms of like how they get that snare and that kick sound to sound like that without drum machines back, you know, before drum machines. Right. Like, even invented and stuff like that before Pro Tools was around, you know, and and Auto Tune, you know, they made those those vocals sound so lush and just so, you know, and I haven't forgot about, you know, the roots of what what made it all kind of happen for me, you know, groups like the Bee Gees and Michael Jackson and Jackson Five and you know, just music. I mean, you know, even even like in the '80s, all the music from the '80s is really inspiring for me because I'm an 80s kid, you know, I was born in 74, right. you know, so it's it was a good good time, you know, good creative time, and I think that ultimately was what pushed me to want to be a songwriter and a producer, you know, and get into music and figure out what made that sound like that, oh man, you know, I got to find out and go, take me to the music store, dad, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing, you know, so. Wow, yeah. hey man, it's such an interesting story that you have here. Now, um, you originally wanted to produce, you wanted to create music, but you hooked up with Babyface and his wife yes. Tracy, and they yes. said, "No, dog, <laughs> you, yeah. you gotta sing these songs, baby." 
demos were were me um, singing, you know, my songs and stuff. So, you know, for the most part, I was an artist, but I just had that that humility to sort of be behind the scenes and produce all of the talent that was around my area. You know, everyone that had the same will to do what I wanted to do, I wanted to share that. You know, and I think that that's always sort of been where my head is has been it's like if we we follow fall on the same parallel lines let's get it you know and let's do this so you know being that the case i kind of made a little buzz for myself in the industry at a young age and i was 18 when um when i signed my deal with babyface you know and and them and uh man i mean we got a grammy nomination with someone to love straight off the bat with you know which is you know something that he wrote and produced but at the same time i mean what was it for me to to start my career with someone who was, I mean, you know, I can't even speak, like, enough about Babyface to talk about him all the time, but, you know, Kenny Edmonds is, you know, pinnacle in terms of my, my career and meeting someone who really opened the doors for me professionally, you know, and uh, and also artistically. He gave me sort of the, the gall, if you will, because, <laughs> you know, he just was like, he really put it, simple and plain to me he's like you are an artist whether you like it or not it's just a matter of whether you know the machine gets behind you and you start to realize it for what for what it is in terms of branding yourself as a as a as an artist you know and uh he allowed me to understand the the value of branding yourself you know because You know, he was babyface. But at the same time, his approach was very humble, you know, because he still stayed in the producer-songwriter lane. So, you know, for me, I always got, I always took that as the best, you know, thing from our that relationship is like, you know, I really still look to him as a mentor in terms of how he's done his career. You know, it's very, it's a very humble, you know, uh, sort of approach to, to the game, you know, and he's got 200 plaques on the wall, number ones, you know what I mean? Yeah. Really? So don't, don't, yeah. <laughs> you know, so no, like, that's don't a good person. Yeah. He's a he's the Jay Z R and B definitely, you know what I mean? Um but but that being said, you know, that's a good person to keep in my um you know, on my mentor uh list 'cause I have many mentors. <laughs> well, right. Yeah, he's he's a, he's probably A one, you know, in terms of the um you know, someone who affected my career right away, you know. I can remember that time very vividly because when that song came out, I remember us going, "Man, who is this babyface got on? Man, this dude is killing this joint." You know, and, on my first demos, you know, I stylized my music and everything to try to show Kenny and L.A. Reid, you know, look, man, I'm I'm a, I'm one of the team already. You just don't know, uh-huh. you know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. I can make beats just as you know, like sound just like y'all produced it, you know, and that's what everybody was saying. And then my demos were sort of really stylized to sound like Babyface because vocally everyone in high school was telling me, man, you sound just like him, you know. <laughs> Sing with a peel again, man, you know what I'm saying? You know, right. like I was, really, I was really into it. So the whole thing, that was just second nature for me to sort of do that song, Someone to Love. And, uh, and when he told me, you know, at first when I was singing it, I was singing it all thick, you know, like, with a with a thicker tone, you know, and uh and you know, he was he was like, Nah man, you gotta you you gotta sound you gotta you know, sweeten it up, man. You gotta sound smooth on this, you know, like lighter. 
And I was like, okay, well, if I do that, I'm going to sound just like you. <laughs> you know? right. Sure enough, you know, I did. You know, everyone said, man, you sound just like him on that record. But, uh, you know, he, he he made an effort on my first album, Bonafide, back in 1995, man. He made an effort to to show me that it's okay to, you know, to show your influences. And for yeah. people, you know, on certain joints, they can sound a certain way. You can sound a certain way. And it, you don't have to be married to that sound for, for every record, you know. Just go ahead and give it to them on this record and let it be smooth and let it be what it is. Show your influence and and let's uh let's do the video and you know, so we went to New York, we you know, we made a big thing about it, man. It was a great experience, man. I still uh still look at look back and you know, it was all kinda of surreal to me, you know. Now now you you went to your dad, you said, Dad, I I wanna <laughs> do this music thing full time and dad was like, Well look, you gotta get a record deal. Beyond yes, that sir. Did you have a plan? Um, you know, my plan was just, you know, to follow my heart. You know, I was, you know, it was amazing because right around the time that uh, that I got my deal, you know, I was I was right out of high school, you know, and it was that turning point where most kids, you know, either go to college or, you know, they get a job or whatever it is, you know, the the, the independence starts to kick in, or the the adult, you know, the the you know, the mother and the father say, hey, it's time to leave the nest uh, eventually, you know, and, uh, you know, I knew that, and that was clicking in my head, so I was kind of already thinking ahead, you know, during my, I remember during my, um, my senior year of high school, I was, I was 18, so I was able to write myself legally out of school, you know, when I felt necessary, and I would take, you know, my demos, and I would go and shop at all the labels down in Hollywood, you know what I mean, literally wait in the lobbies, you know, for the for the executive to leave, so I could just hand him my CD or my cassette or whatever it was, you know, and it would be like forty songs on one joint, you know what I mean, all just like, you know, all mixtape style, and uh, you know, it would say written and produced by Jonathan B, you know, <laughs> and right. uh, you know that's how I got my 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 hustle, you know, you know, essentially on from the very beginning, and it it turned to meeting Babyface and Tracy and that door being open. So, you know, it's a beautiful thing because the game hasn't changed. <laughs> John B.
rather have what makes you rock. Say goodbye and I leave now. With my heart on my sleeve, memories that. What I found is you still care. You had feelings and they still there. Baby girl, keep it real here. Are you still down? around the world thanks for tuning in to Rodney Perry live remember to follow Rodney on Twitter at Rodney Perry and for all of your Rodney Perry updates text Rodney Perry with no spaces to 41411 again to stay up to date text Rodney Perry with no spaces to 41411 hey you listen to Rodney Perry live check out my man John B's new single comfortable swag hey John B Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate you.
and some of these brand new actors you've never seen before is going to be in your main on your main uh, lexicon. So, with that, uh, we want to get into some stuff. Uh, hey, man, let's go to the lines, man. Anybody want to talk? Let's, let's talk today, man. We are uh, going to open up the lines and let some people talk and see what see what they got going on. Uh, just just open it up, man. You don't even have to screen them. See who want to chat with me right now. This is what Roddy Perry Live is all about. This is the essence of what the show is. And uh, we're going to chop it up with some of y'all out there in the land, in in the, uh, the, 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 the stratosphere, if you will. I'm actually waiting for my wife. I hope she's listening. I've been at the airport for like 40 minutes. My wife takes the longest. Don't you hate when people take whatever to get you? Oh, and it's her calling now. So, again, I hope all is well. I'm on JT's phone. I don't even know how to operate this doggone thing. <laughs> so we're gonna have a, we having a good time today. I'm standing here with with the great Johnny Vans. I, I like this phone. Shouts out to Naeem the Star on Twitter. He told me he had questions for John B. You know, I, I think Naeem must be he talking about getting married or something. Shouts out to JJ from the SIP. You know, I'm on Instagram now, too. Uh, I am uh, at Rodney Perry Live on Instagram. And, uh, oh, okay, let's do this. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, one of, my, one of my partners in crime in the comedy game is on hold. She's got a lot of great things going up. She's not only a stand-up comedian, she is a producer, she's a writer, and, and one of the coolest ladies in the game. Show some love for Miss Isla Rodriguez. Ada, how you doing, baby? I'm laughing because you are so funny, and I was like, I want to get a Rodney Perry pack. I got the <laughs> Rodney Perry pack just tweeted me. <laughs> yeah, man. You got a fan crew. You got ghouls on Twitter. You ain't even got to respond to people anymore. Well, you know, I, I still I still try my best to respond as much as I can. You know, the, the thing about social media and networking is that it, it really helps if it's you. I mean, people have Absolutely. a sense of, it, of, of, of it, if it's not you. And so, uh, you know, myself and, you know, my team, Johnny Vans, Madeline Smith, you know, we, we work really hard and, and, you know, kind of building this brand that's, that's becoming Rodney Perry. So we're, we're always trying to figure out the next thing. Are you on Instagram? I just got on Instagram the day that, uh, that it became official for Android. Yeah. And uh, I w- it was funny because the iPhone people were acting like um, – Races during the civil rights movement. They, they I know they were next. They, I know, wasn't that they was they was mad? And then I talked to some people yesterday. Was like, yeah, you can't do certain things that I can do. And I was like, whatever, lady. I'm 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 putting up pictures too now. What? Exactly. I love it. Yeah, but I am. I'm at funny Ida. I'm keeping it all. There's too many Ida Rodriguez's in the world. I just got tagged on Facebook with somebody's grandfather named Ida Rodriguez that died, and it was like a rest in peace picture. <laughs> Wait and I don't want to. <laughs> I was like, "That's the wrong Ida Rodriguez." I feel bad deleting the picture, but I was like, "I don't know this old man." I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, Ida, what is going on? I know you got. You always got some great. Uh, I-, I talked about you being a, a filmmaker. Just give my audience a little, you know, cliff notes, the quick, the quick uh, bio on Ida Rodriguez. 
Sure. Um, I am a, a writer, a producer, and a, a, a consummate filmmaker. Um, I've made four films. Um, they've gone straight to video. So now I'm on a new mission where I want to go. I want to do some theater stuff. But I did a movie called, a faith-based movie called The Greatest Song with Lamont Rucker. I did um, a movie called Sunday School that I wrote and produced and I wasn't in. That's a, a Maverick film. And I'm working on a new project right now, um, which I, I sent you, that uh, is, is a play. And, uh, you know, I, I come from the church, so I tend to uh, write and get involved with projects that are positive and move our people forward. When I say our people, I mean all, all of our people of color, my Latino people and my black people and, you know, everybody else in between. Now, now um being that you you have you know dabbled in the faith based world, do you have to as a producer have a a higher level of responsibility when you're creating a project that's got that label or got that moniker on it? Yeah, you do. You do. You have to. Um, it depends on which route you want to go. If you want to go religious, which I don't tend to go because um, there are some people who don't don't want to be claim you know don't want to be labeled as religious. But if you're gonna have a faith based film. Your pastor can't be a pimp in the movie. Like, the pastor can't be a pimp. Uh, you can't be trying to holler at the pastor at church. You have to You have to maintain a higher standard. My films, we don't, I don't allow uh, my actors to use the N-word. Uh, we don't, no profanity. And, uh, and you know, I had, I, I had Joe Claire in my last movie. It was really funny because I, we Joe Claire would just go off on these rants, and then we'd be like, "All right, now you got to do it again, and you can't say no bad words." And he, right. you know, Joe Claire is so funny. Now, and what's it, the name you know, of that movie? I saw that movie at Walmart. Yeah, it's called The Greatest Song. It's actually doing very well. We're one of the top grossing films um, for Images uh, Urban Department. Um, it got picked up in the UK, and it's airing on BET in England and all of you know all abroad. So I'm very happy. We did that movie with very very little money. Um, I read the Netflix comments and the Amazon comics comments, and some of you people are really mean out there, but you try to make a movie with uh, less than $40,000 uh, in Los Angeles and see how that works out for you. <laughs> now, now, now let me ask you this, uh, as, a, as a producer, um, with the cameras out there, you got the 5D, you got the 7D, mm-hmm. uh, we're getting increased access to, you know, like the red cameras and things like that, that the big studios are using as well is it is it how doable is it for for a first-time filmmaker to even make a film is it is it doable absolutely there's a there's a guy that uh, just got into all the film festivals like all the major film festivals with a movie that he made on his iphone and it is a beautiful film you can check out stuff on on i on uh, youtube it really is just your decision that if you want to make a film um just make just be intelligent enough to make something that's conducive to your budget. Don't don't write a movie that has an explosion if you have a minimal budget. Don't right. don't have seventeen locations when you gotta use your grandma's house and the local church. But I obviously in this area era of multimedia, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to make a film. But if your story is compelling and fluid, they will come. They will come. People will watch and you will get other people's attention, and yeah, you can make movies if you really want to. Now, now, do, now I know you're you're a fabulous stand-up comedian. You 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 get the chance to travel all over the world. You 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 uh, work and you tour with 
the great Russell Peters, among others. Uh, what's your journey as a female comic? Well, my journey, and it's interesting that this is the topic of conversation. Like, I, I really don't want to get so caught up in the whole thing about uh, with with our female comedians about looks, and it's all about content. Um, I want to be respected as a comedian. Blank period. Hey, I don't wait, want wait, people. Hey, to- Ada, let me stop you right there. Only good-looking women say, I don't want to be concerned about love. Nah. <laughs> You're wrong for that. You're wrong. No, but I, I'm serious. Like, it's, just, it's become a really big thing. There's a lot of, you know, talk with the women. And at, at the end of the day, for me, I just want to be a funny comic. I want to be respected as a comedian by my peers, by my fans. I don't want people to say, you know, hey, you're funny for a woman. You're not. You're funny mm-hmm. for a person of color. I just, I'm just a comedian, and my plight is to move us forward. You know, not to be, uh, you know, doing jokes that uh, that to me are beneath my intellect level. So I just, I work really hard to to, to reach. And and I, I want to say shout out to Ricky Smiley because I've been added to the, uh, the the All Star Comedy Tour with Joe Claire. And, uh, and a couple of other comedians, and I'm very excited about that. Oh, that's nice. That's, that's with Tony Roberts, Joe Claire, and those guys. Yes, right? and Tony yeah. Roberts is on it, yeah. Nice, nice, nice. That, that's a great group of crazy people to be with, I tell you what, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I'm very honored, and, and, I, and I love the fact that people like Tony Roberts say to me, I see what you're doing, you know, you keep your clothes on, you tell your jokes, you tell jokes that men can tell. Like, it doesn't have to be so specific. Um, you know, I don't have to pop my collar on other female comics. I respect my colleagues, and I celebrate them all, and I want to see all my female comics out there win. I want to see them all go forward and, and make the impact and make the money that the men are making. Absolutely. Now, now, what, what's, what's next? I know you I know you got a project that, that you definitely oh, yeah. want to chat, talk about today. What's, what's the next up? Well, I have a new show coming out on the 23rd of April on the Nouveau Network with uh, Felipe Esparza, the winner of Last Comic Standing. He and I are hosting a show <laughs> called The Wet, the Wedding Zinger, and uh, I'm very excited about it because it's a it's a show where we had an opportunity to write, act, and do stand-up comedy, um, and it's not a typical wedding show. We uh, we actually go out with uh, wedding couples. And we learn about them and their families, and we do everything with them up until the wedding. And then at their reception, we roast them. And it was so fun. We had so much fun. Well, how many episodes you guys shoot? Actually, this is it's an airing pilot. We're gonna see how it works, and then we'll see what the network orders. So we're looking to we're looking to a full season. We're looking forward to we work for the. Mark Effman, who is responsible for a lot of the shows with Nick Cannon, a very good producer. We're really excited about where the show is going to go. Wow. So so give us that again. Network, time, and where we yes. can find it. And, and, and the website, we can go and support it. Absolutely. Uh, the Nouveau Network is, um, the show is going to be on April 23rd on uh, the Nouveau Network at 10 p.m., and if you want to get listings, you can go to MyNouveauTV.com, and then everything will be on my website, which is Ida, A-I-D-A, RodriguezLive.com. Ida RodriguezLive.com. You always say my name right, too. You always say my name right. I, I, try, to, I try my best. Now, now I, I got to give you this, uh, you know, because, you know, Ida and I, we talk, you know, frequently. And yes, uh, when, when I was when I was in the process of beginning 
you know, to even think about producing my DVD, you said one of the most powerful things to me. You was like, Rodney, why are you looking for somebody to produce this? Why don't you just do it yourself? I mean, you have a big enough brand. People know who you are. You know, why don't you do it yourself? And and I got to admit, you know, I was fearful of that. And don't get me wrong, I, I love the situation that I got in with Cole Black and Shaquille O'Neal and those guys. But one thing I learned in watching the process really unfold in front of me is that it's doable. It's very doable, you know. And what people, you know, put out at 100000 can be done for 50 or 40 or 30 you know, and, right. and so I think that you could put out, nowadays you could put out as good or quality of product, you know, for way, you know, under the price. So, you know, once you have a brand, it kind of really opens you up beyond that. So I thank you for that. I thank you. I got my first TV credit because of you. I got my first international gig because of you. And I, I've always gotten nothing but the best advice from you, and I, I really appreciate that. Hold on, you got to rewind that. What TV credit you get because of me? Well, Mike Sand was because of you, because you put me on tour with Tess Drake, and wow. Tess Drake was the person who told the BET people about me, and I would have never known Tess if it was not for you. So I always wow. I attribute that to you. It was it's, there is there are six degrees of separation and. And you know, one thing that I that I'm really living by right now is that you never know when somebody's gonna land. So always treat people well and with respect, and you will always get it back. So thank you, Rodney Perry. I appreciate you. You know, you know, but th- that's that's a great sentiment to live by, and I think we all have to. You know, I mean, uh, somebody hit my Twitter feed today. You know, she, they said something about Nene Leakes that you know her 15 minutes of fame is almost over. And, you know, I mean, I never say anything bad about people, but I've seen this lady not treat people great, you know, not take a picture and not do this and not do that. And to me, as a quote-unquote celebrity, if you don't take the time out with the people that pay your salary, then you run the risk of having that shelf life that we call 15 minutes of fame. So so what what is Isla Rodriguez doing to, you know, to further herself in that respect? Well, you know, I I, I work weekly um, with organizations that keep me connected to the people because I am every every woman, and so I um, I never forget where I came from. I mean, that humble beginning is always with me. My grandmother will never let me forget. But, right. you know, I, I keep myself volunteering. I work with young girls. Um, my causes are, you know, teenage pregnancy cases because I was one working with young women and self-esteem issues. I work with the art of Elysium. I work, you know, I, I go and read stories to autistic children. And I keep myself grounded. Um, I, I'm a mom, so I really don't, I don't have time to, to think, you know, I keep myself and, I, and I, my brand and my person as a, as a human being and God's child. I value myself, so I don't, I try to surround myself with, with good things in life. But I don't ever have a moment. You you know, you never know who you're talking to when you turn your back and your nose up on somebody. So that'll never be my problem. Well, I love it. I want to thank you so much for coming on today, man. I'm, I'm such a huge fan. And, and we're going to support, uh, give it to us one more time, uh, the network, the show, and it's called The Wedding Zinger. The Wedding Zinger, yes. Uh, I love it. 
April 23rd, the Nouveau Network, 10 p.m. It's going to air for a week. Catch it, VDR it. And, uh, and I want to thank everybody for supporting, you know, me and my fellow female comrades in comedy on our journeys. Uh, I, I, have a, I hold a special torch for the ladies. It's not easy. We work really hard. And I want to thank everybody for supporting live comedy and supporting our journeys because, you know, we, we could be doing, we could be picking up trash or we could be, uh, you know, doing things that, that, that nobody wants to do and some people have to. So I want to make sure that I, I tell y'all I appreciate for giving me the opportunity to entertain. I love it. Hey, let me ask you this before we before we get out of here. Um, I want to talk to Isla Rodriguez, the writer. Uh, yes. Because I'm, I'm making my foray foray in the writing. I've been I've been I have like several ideas in my head, and I've been kind of you know looking for people to write this stuff for me, but it's never come out right. So I woke up yesterday morning like you know what. You have to write this. There is no way around it. So, what would you say to the guy that's never written a feature before? How? What's the best advice to getting it done? Well, the, what my writing mentor Brad, Brad Kaya, who's a very successful writer in Hollywood, told me, and I, I used to always try to go around this. The very first thing he told me was, "I'm never going to read your script until I read an outline." So even when you write a joke, when you write a story, always start with an outline that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if not, you'll be scattered forever. And if you outline your script, you know how easy it will be. You can come back later and you dialogue, and you incorporate locations. It is so easy. You, you all put, write it down. When you put it on paper, it's so much easier to get it from the page to the screen. Until you do that, it's just dialogue, and people yeah. get tired of dialogue. So make sure no. <laughs> it's just rhetoric. I'm writing a script, but you don't ever see anything. Don't write a script. Write an outline from beginning. See if your story holds can hold for an hour and 17 minutes. If you can go from a first act to a second act, and your second act is the most important part of your script. Most movies fall apart in their second act. So okay. I, I, I believe in an outline. What's what's right with movies right now? What's right with movies right now? Uh-huh. Especially movies of you know uh, urban movies of, of our movies, our things. A, a lot more. A lot of movies now have really been, made the decision. A lot of filmmakers to tell the truth. Like this is an era of truth, and people call it cynicism, but I don't think so. I think we're we're seeing, even though pressures. Causing out an outpour of criticism and people were outraged. He got people to talk about sexual abuse. It was a very in the face of some people. Some people were really affected by it. A lot of it has to do with the reality that it puts before us that a lot of times we don't want to deal with in our movies because we want to go to the movies to just be entertained. But I think that filmmaking is really taking a turn into really delving into truth. And I personally like that because it, it is a reflection of me and where I come from, and it gives me an opportunity to be present in, in, in the you know in the world of film. So I think that that's really what, what, what I'm finding is right. And plus, comedy is winning right now in film. Comedy is right now is like a, one of the it's up there with action. Comedy is doing so well, which is why Twenty One Jump Street took a turn and went into the funny direction. So. Right, right, because the original, the original 21 Jump Street it was not a comedy. No, it was not a comedy. It was a drama series, and 
they turned it into a comedy because comedy is just winning right now. And we, we, you know, we as people of color need to make sure that we incorporate our comedy. All of our comedy is not the same kind of comedy, and we have to learn to incorporate it all. Some of us have dry pan humor. Some of us are more slapstick. All of it is valid. All of it, all of it is valuable, and it all represents us all. And we need to really be, you know, not afraid to be intelligent with our comedy and put it out there. I love it, man. You, you've been an awesome guest. Thank you for calling in on the oh, show today. Thank you. Uh, I, I, got off, I got off the plane, and and we we had talked about you coming on, and uh, my John B interview went a little short. So I was like, this would be a great opportunity to talk to Isla Rodriguez. Ladies and gentlemen, let's support our show. This is Rodney Perry. You're tuned in to Rodney Perry Live. It's the Thank you. Network. Tell me the network again. Oh, I'm sorry, the Nouveau Network. The Nouveau Network. Uh, the show is called The Wedding, Wedding Singers. Singers. April 23rd. Yes. And it's you, and, and it's uh, my, it's Isla Rodriguez and my man Felipe Esparza. Please, please, let's support this show. Check the local listings. Find this network. And if you can't find it, go to the website. Give me the website. MyNouveauTV.com. Let's find Let's support it. Thank you, Isaac, for coming on today. You guys have a good day. This is Rodney Perry. You're tuned in to Rodney Perry Live. That's our show for today. Thank you to Mr. John B. Thank you to Isaac Rodriguez. And y'all keep watching because we ain't going to do nothing but get better. Yeah. That's right. Thank you.